anytime I think about anything, comedy's all like doing stand up comedy is always there. Now, it's hard to get yelled at when someone's laughing at you. You know what I mean? It's like if she went to a basketball game and was like, why is no one kicking it? Like way bigger of a deal in your head, and no one else in the room thought about it whatsoever. Comedians Exposed, a podcast where comedians talk about vulnerability with your host, Deanna Kobe. All right, you guys. So today on Comedians Exposed, we have a very funny guest. He's well known all over the tri-state area. This person is host of the Panties in Your Mouth podcast. He has a hilarious show that streams on Twitch called Andy Got Jokes. He's been a contestant and a judge on Comedy Fight Club. We are so excited today to welcome Andy Malafarina as today's guest on Comedians Exposed. Andy, welcome. Hey there. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. <laughs> oh my God, I wanted first off because Andy did judge my first time on Comedy Fight Club. You were one of the judges. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk to you because I ate a pile of dicks that night and I lost. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. say I wouldn't say I wouldn't say you ate a pile of dicks. You didn't have the strongest of sets, if I could say, but I definitely no, because I remember my only uh my only thing with yours was because that was the first time you did one, right? For comedy fight club. I've done roast, but never comedy fight club. Oh, okay. Cause no, I, I remember watching your set being like, Oh yeah, these jokes are these jokes are decent. You just you were like all set up. <laughs> and that that happens. I, I definitely I would get that kind of my buddies would make fun of me for that when I first when I first started, because you get you get bogged down in like having to over explain things and this and that, and then you get too far away from the actual original point. So when you finally get to the punchline, people are just like, why are we even here? Yeah. Cause I was, you were, your setups were enjoyable, but then we'd get like the, for some of them, we'd get to a point where you're like, wait, what's, what's even happening anymore. <laughs> but, but then, you had the, then you had the one where, where we were making fun of the dude's beard. That was a solid, that was a solid bit. I found it to be humiliating, but you know, it's okay. It's all in good fun. So I wanted to ask you about, do you have experiences like that in comedy where you are humiliated and how do you deal with it? If you do? Um, well, I've had, there's like two different kinds I've noticed of like humiliating where there's like you fucked up, you had a massive bomb and you know, you, you the audience hated you or whatever, or you just did bad. And then there's the other kind where, it's like way bigger of a deal in your head and no one else in the room thought about it whatsoever. <laughs> so like my, 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 uh, my best example of the second one I said was, so do you, you ever hear of a uh, Philly's funniest? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the big competition they do every year in uh helium at helium comedy club in Philly. I, I only I've only ever done it one year and I got <laughs> cause I, I think I got well I did it when I was new 
And from what happened, I got traumatized and I kind of avoided doing it. And then I kind of got I, I just never ended up doing it. Even even when I was, you know, over what happened, I, I still just never ended up doing it for one reason or another. Um, But no, basically what happened was so at Helium, when you go over, so they give you like five. What is it? Five. Yeah. Five minutes to do your set at four and a half minutes. They give you the light. I'm on stage. It's at four and a half minutes. Helium's like a real comedy club. At that point, I was only used to doing like bars and whatever like shitty open mics there were. I had not done like a lot of like real comedy club shows. And when you're on like a real, like when you're on a stage of a real comedy club, there's fucking like expensive bright ass lights. And sometimes I remember, like, I don't know what they do now, but I remember at the time the, the light they would use to, signal like you're almost done i don't know if i was like nervous and caught up in the moment or i just or it like it wasn't well lit or whatever i i probably was just so fucking brand new i didn't even know what to do i was too focused on just trying to be funny i missed the light yeah i, I missed the light so i go over my time and then they end up cutting my microphone and <laughs> i'm so <laughs> i'm such like a I'm such like a self-deprecating comic. When they cut my microphone, it didn't register to me like you're at five minutes. Get the fuck off stage. I, in my head, go, yeah, of course the mic would break during my set. So I just keep <laughs> barreling through. The audience is even... This is also just my fault for being fucking brand new. The audience is just like telling me they were like, you're done. You're done. And I'm like, why are they being so mean to me? Or some oh, shit no. Like and then <laughs> so once. At, yeah. At four and a half minutes, they light you. I think if you go a little bit past, if you go like to like five fifteen or so, then they cut your mic. And then if you go another 15, 30 seconds, they turn off all the house lights. And so. <laughs> Yeah, so this is the first time I'm ever at a real comedy club, and I ha I was having a decent set. I remember now to my standards now, it probably I probably wasn't that funny, but like at the time, I remember the audience like laughing a good amount and everything. I'm having a decent set, and <laughs> so I'm having the best night, and then to that point, like the worst night where they just shut off all. Because I remember, <laughs> I, I think that I think this was based off the fact that I think this was based off the like I had such a big reaction to them shutting the lights off on me because like i remember a couple weeks earlier i was at the helium open mic and i saw that happen to a dude but this dude was like just being he just stunk and he was being a tool and he was just being annoying and i don't know so i so and then he got the lights turned off on him and so i associated like you getting the lights turned off on you with the fucking dickhead that no one likes because <laughs> oh. that's who that's who that dude was on stage so like immediately the lights turn off and this goes back to like the narcissism of being a comic uh -huh. i'm like i'm uh, the lights turn off on me and my brain just goes like well that's it for me in philly oh. <laughs> which makes no no fucking sense like I, and i've heard i've heard a bunch of comics say this so thankfully i'm not the, thankfully i'm not the only one but like you because like it matters so much to you like it was the first time i ever done a real comedy club it mattered so much to me to have a good set yeah and then to, to like have the lights turned off and in my mind when the lights turn off on you that's the signal for this guy's the biggest dickhead in the world so like i think that's gonna 
I think that's going to fucking permeate Philly. All the guys in Philly who also go to New York. Like it, you start thinking outrageous things that, and I'll, I'll let you in on something. None of the crazy things I thought happened. Like I was, I was like hyperventilating, borderline crying on the way home from that. Like it yeah. was, it was because it just, it's I mean, emotional, it's still, right? It, don't you feel like it's a really huge emotional swing? Yeah. Cause having like to get back up after that. Yeah. And like doing, doing comedy the whole time I've done comedy, it's like a big deal to me, but n- like now I've done it enough times that if I, if something bad happens, like I'm ready for it, or if something bad happens, Oh, whatever, I'll have another show soon. Like I can reset. You know what I mean? Like back then having a show was a special thing. I didn't get a lot of those. So whenever I had an actual show, Cause it's like, if you have a, ba- if you have a, ba- a shitty set, if you have a shitty set on a show, you'll, you'll, that'll hang around, but you know, you'll have another one next week and it'll reset for you or some shit like that. This one, it was like, all right, well, this is just going to hang around me for the next four months until I have another actual real show. Cause at the time I'm living in PA, there's mm-hmm. not as much like comedy and stuff to do, but not, not like Philadelphia, like central Pennsylvania, where you got to drive 45 minutes to an hour to go do an, do a shitty open mic. Funny addition to that. So my co-host of the PITM podcast, uh, Nate Marshall, very funny comic. <laughs> he hosted this open mic in Reading where he used to live. And so he, I don't know if I told him or he heard about from one of my friends who's like, yeah, this happened. And he took it real rough. So we're, going up at the open mic and it was at this place called the Redding comedy outlet, which the comedy room was nice, but it always got like a bad rap because it was connected to a bowling alley. Uh So like if you were standing in the lobby, you could hear the sound of pins being hit and all this shit. But like the comedy club itself was, I mean, it did look like, it did look like the the room kids would eat their pizza in during their bowling party. Cause I think it was, but it did. it, It was a, it was a decent environment, so it had like all the light setups for uh comedy show and, and all this other shit. So I'm on stage during the open mic. This is the Wednesday after the Philly's funniest thing happens. And in the middle of my set, because <laughs> Nate had heard what happened. I'm in the middle of doing my jokes. Nate just turns all the lights off on me. <laughs> and, like, and I mean, I started laughing. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't start laughing, but I, I, uh, I think I was a little more emotionally frail back then. So <laughs> I respected it because I factually knew why that was funny. But like that, <laughs> that shit at Philly's funny has fucked me up so much or like bothered me so much. I should say not fuck me up. That's being dramatic. But it like bothered me so much that I had this involuntarily like <laughs> mother, motherfucker. Like I wanted to fight him. And then I got like a mo- <laughs> Like it was that thing where I, I like, I didn't realize it was going to bother me that much. Yeah. But that's an, that's an example of something that was nothing to anyone else, but like me in my head. And I guess Nate, for the sake of fucking with me. Comedy has that ability to elicit such huge response, not just from the comic, also the audience, which was something else I wanted to talk to you about comedy fight club. Cause I didn't think I, I don't think I was prepared in the sense of like the no holds bar nature of what goes on there. Do you mean like the just general viciousness of it? Oh, it's yeah. It's like a whole different level of like roast battle. And like I had ever like competed in before. So I was like, okay. And I saw what happened. They posted, I guess, not that long ago, somebody interrupted the show 
and was acting kind of like basically like a social justice warrior. Really? So I, yeah. I Wait, did they post-, post this on like their YouTube? This was recent. Yeah, this was uh, the last one they did at like the vegans place you know i saw i you know what i saw posts online about that i didn't like because i don't know i whenever i see that shit i like roll my eyes at it because it's so stupid like getting mad especially when it's something like roast battle it's so like because you could sort of have a gray area when it's just general stand-up comedy but like roast battle so clear-cut like matt matt goes up at the beginning Matt Marin, super funny dude, goes up at the beginning. He lays it out so clear as day. Like, and then, well, even this chick, I think she was like walking by, but still it's like, I don't know. Have you not heard of a roast battle? Maybe, maybe it's super common for me, but it's that, that stuff just drives me crazy. Cause it's so ridiculous. It's so, what was the original question? Uh, <laughs> it's just like I got, triggering. It could like, it's weird how the, powerful nature of comedy can be so triggering like how it was triggering for you when you had that incident with the lights going off or like how triggering it is for some random person on the street to hear one thing and interrupt the whole shebang and yeah that that's the part i don't under that's the part i don't understand it's why i always like it's why i always like respect the hell out of my parents because they were never like my dad my dad will watch you know some you know, edgy stuff here or there or whatever. But my parents, like my parents watch Big Bang Theory and lose their mind. They're like real, they're real middle of the road with their comedy and stuff. And like my parents, even, you know, milk as milk toast as they are, they like my dad said it clear as day. He's like, yeah, if I don't like something, I kind I quietly get up and leave. It's that mindset of like, I am offended. So I I'm gonna take it upon me to shut this down. And I'm not trying to be like coarse or callous or insensitive, but like, I just find this to be factual. Like people look at offended, like there's some inherent value in it. So, but if it, if it's like one of my close friends or like, you know, you know, I respect you. And if I said something that offended you, I would feel bad. And I'd apologize just to make sure we were cool and yada, yada, yada. But like, generally speaking, like person, I don't know, like there's not a lot of value in being offended. Cause I think like the energy of being offended is like, like I could just go to that lady and be like, okay, you're, I'm not offended. So we're back to square one. Like, I just don't find there to be any, like on its face, on face value, I don't find any inherent value in being offended. Actually, as the comedian, it's your time on stage. And sometimes you want to work through traumas or things that you yourself are offended by. If I'm talking about it and it offends you, like you're taking away my right to work through something. Comedy is weird because it's like, I, I think a lot of times people go into stand-up comedy. Like stand-up comedy is one of the things that, like most people kind of think they can do it because no one, and I don't mean this to be like condescending or whatever, but like no one thinks they're not funny. Like there's not, did I say that right? No one, there's no one that thinks like, Oh, I'm not funny. No one has that thought. Everyone's like, I'm at least like, I'm funny. You know, I might not be the funniest person, but, and like, truthfully speaking, and this is going to sound pretentious i'm trying to just be factual about it but like truthfully speaking like a lot of people just aren't funny but like no one thinks they're not funny so they look at they don't look at like playing the guitar is pretty clear cut you have the guitar in your hand and you when you start 
plucking at it either sounds good or it doesn't like comedy is crazy subjective you can't and and then you get like a false perspective on it where you could be like cutting it up at work and you and the other receptionist you're fucking killing it and and you make the mailroom guy fucking die with your oh my my cat was being weird again and like so your concept people just think i heard someone say this i forget who but like they just think about funny they don't think about types of funny and that's really what it is like they just think about things are funny or they're not funny. They don't realize that's why I don't, I don't I'm sure you've gotten it, but that's why a million times I've gotten like, Oh, you do st- you do comedy. Tell me a joke. And you're just like, and then you have to do the, well, I used to do the annoying. Well, it's not really like that, but, but, but I just, I just got to the point where I'm just like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I go? Or like, I'll, I'll ask them what you do, like what you do. They'll be like a cook. I'll be like, make me a sandwich. And they'll look at me weird. And I'll be like, oh, doesn't that sound annoying? Isn't that annoying when I did that? People don't realize that there's types of being funny. Being funny on stage is way different than being funny with your friends. Like you, no one knows on nine times out of 10, unless you're like a popular comic, no one knows shit about you. You got to catch them. And that that actually brings it to roast battle. I, back to roast battle. I've seen people do this a million times where they don't. Re- I, I actually got when I did the Zoom roast battle, um, I fucked it up because I because I was roasting Brian St. John, a uh, known piece of garbage. And uh, we <laughs> the de- I'm pretty sure he's the devil. I haven't checked too close into it, but I'm pretty sure he's the devil. And I forgot, like, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I, I I went off of it just just in the mindset of like, oh, uh, you know, you know, you know, Brian. And it's like, no, people don't know. But same way people don't know me. You got to like you got to like catch people up, so to speak. And that's similar to also stand up comedy. You got to you got to assume people have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And you got to catch them up because there is a thing about comedy where you don't want to get too up your own ass of like, you know, this is my, this is my place to express myself, blah, blah, blah. Cause it's like whenever, cause like anytime, if I ever want to do that, there's always going to be like, yo, shut up. There's people eating chicken fingers. Just make them fucking laugh, idiot. But also at the same time, like if you're going to a stand up comedy show, I feel like it's not, I feel like it's not hard to ask to be like, just get what it is before you start demanding things like that lady rolled up didn't know what was fucking going on because if she knew what was going on she wouldn't have got offended or hopefully didn't know what the fuck was going on and just started barking orders and that that's what's that's what's the most frustrating part about comedy is people don't ever care to like know how to do it so that i've said this before that lady yelling at those guys for being offensive it's like if she went to a basketball game and was like why is no one kicking it it's like because that's not what they do here you didn't you bought the ticket before you looked up what they do (laughs) you know with comedy i was going to ask you because you said there is types of funny so do you mm-hmm. classify yourself as a particular type of funny or like, do you feel like you fit in with a certain group of people? Yeah, prob- probably. I, I, here's actually the thing I've always haven't been sure about because I, for a while, I, I assumed I would be labeled as like an offensive comic, but I don't like, it's weird. Cause it's like, I'm like, I assume people find me offensive, but I don't find myself offensive. Like, 
I wouldn't do a joke I find offensive. And I'm not just going up there to be like, let's get a fucking reaction about from these nerds. Like, I'm just going I'm going up there just being like, what do I find fun now? You know, the I think the like the other the other night I did a set and I made it. I made a joke about, uh, you know, being attracted to uh, younger women. And I like skirted the line and I, I did get a pleasure out of like the crowd clearly got uncomfortable. And then I like leaned harder into it because that's also my, one of my favorite parts about like doing comedy is like you get the you get that sort of wall of like I'm a comedian and I'm on stage. So you get away with saying awful things. And then, you know, as long as you make them funny, you're rewarded with laughter. And they got they got uncomfortable. I leaned into it a little bit more and I ended up like winning them back, which that felt real good. But I I, I probably I well, I'll put it this way. Like, I've always grown up watching like a lot of the comics you'd see on like uh, Opie and Anthony back in the day. Uh, Tough crowd with Colin Quinn, which I firmly believe is like the greatest like live stand-up like live comedy type show yeah all those comics you know or the people you'd associate now with say like uh legion of skanks gas digital stuff like that i i i I, you know i admire a lot of those guys so i would hope that i kind of fall in line and not fall in line sort of just kind of uh have the same have the same stench as them i guess what brought you into comedy well i know the first the first uh comedy album i listened to I remember it was first uh, Bill Cosby, which I only like the jokes. Just make that very clear. Uh, nothing else. Um, but yeah, I think it was Bill Cosby. He was like the way he wrote jokes was like, I remember it being like really at that age. I was really young. His joke styles were a little bit more advanced for my age. And I remember getting in get sort of like realizing how cool comedy was like the art of constructing a joke. So it was probably like Bill Cosby. Cause that was when I was in probably like late elementary, middle school. Dane cook was another one who was big, big for me. Just that like having that whole presence. And I know, I don't know what the general consensus is on Dane cook, but if you, if you're riding that wave of like, ah, fucking stupid Dane cook, he's just making noises. Like, Nah, dude, go back. Like it is a, it, it. He's definitely very boisterous and and attention grabbing and stuff. But like, th- he had some good fucking jokes. I always get Dane Cook's back if people are shitting on him. He's a funny fuck. Uh, Patrice O'Neill. I think he's like the one of the best comics to ever do it. Bill Burr, because he looks like he could be my dad. No, <laughs> but I just just like an angry redhead. I like clearly I uh, and also he's one of the best to ever do it. That it, that makes it easier to like him. But I identified with him a lot that way so yeah it was like and a big and i do a lot of crowd work so along with patrice big jay's like a big inspiration that uh he's a he's a dude i really fuck with did i not answer the question no i think you did but then it was like you know some of the stuff he says like thinking about like other questions and like you know sorry no don't sorry it's interesting i i just i just uh (laughs) Whenever I'm, I'm just, I feel like I'm of like the mood of like, you want to know what I think? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I do. I'm usually, I'm usually forcing people to hear what I think. <laughs> no, I want to know. Like I said, I'm really the whole point is like to get comics to open up and be vulnerable and be exposed, and especially too, I think there's something so. I keep saying this over and over again. I feel like the ability to be funny and make people laugh is so powerful, especially like right now because everyone is just really having such a hard time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it it is I it is super powerful. I learned that because like I remember I learned that very early like into just having jobs. Like I've never 
just because I'm always preoccupied with, you know, ever since I started working, like when I first started working full time, I, I like right out of college, I got a job in a kitchen. But basically, I, I wasn't like like verbally make the decision, but right out of the gate, very early into doing comedy, my brain clicked in like, oh, this is the thing I've been like. I didn't realize this is what I want to do. And now this is what I want to do all the time. So that happened the last semester of college, which I'm always like, why couldn't you figure that out the first semester? Why the very literally like four months left of college? I was like, oh, I didn't want to do this. I wanted to do comedy. <laughs> so I was so annoyed. <laughs> so last. So basically, like get out of college. My mind is anywhere but having like a real job. My mind's always like in doing comedy, doing podcasts, making content, just making content that revolves around me talking and trying to be funny. So I was never, I was never like, I was never like the best worker at any job. I was always fine. And I found out very early because, you know, being fine at your job, not giving a shit, you fuck it up often. So I would find like fucking up my job. It's hard to get yelled at when someone's laughing at you. You know what I mean? Like it's hard if you're being funny like if someone's mad at you and then you make them laugh, they'll be like, ah, all right, sh just shut up and clean that up. You yeah. dummy or whatever. It's so I, I learned. So there is something it's like a defense mechanism. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I learned that very, I learned that. And I, so that helped me because I've always been way more concerned about, and this isn't shitting on good joke writers. Cause some of my favorite comics are like just joke writers, like Sam Morell and uh, Mark Norman. I fucking like those dudes blow my mind. Cause that's a skill I don't have. Just write uh, like writing down a fucking joke and making it like I talk, I go on stage and talk shit. You know what I mean? And I, I but for me personally, for my preference, I've always just been more concerned about, being the funniest guy, not being like not being able because that's always been the thing I've just given a shit about is just being the funniest person I could uh, imaginable. That's all I've given a shit. Not like, oh, I need to. And once again, not shitting on these people like I respect it, like fucking sketch comedy, good sketch comedy. I love the shit. I've just personally never cared that much about like, oh, let me write this really good sketch. I've like I get more. Like when it like like writing a good sketch versus like making my friends hyperventilate because I told a joke super super hard at a bar one night like that makes me feel way more positivity than like because mm. uh, because it's also I'm I'm also like I'm super impatient so that's why I like doing stand up comedy I like doing Twitch streaming I like doing uh, the podcasts and stuff you can like do it and get it out there. Like the, the few times I've shot, like I remember like the few times I've shot sketches, you're just, it's you and your friends. You don't know what you're doing. You spend the whole day and then you edit the sketch down and it's fine. Like that drives me, that drives me insane. <laughs> I'd rather, I get more of a kick out of like talking shit and making your buddies like stomachs hurt because they're laughing so hard. I feel like there's more of an instant gratification with being on stage because you have that energy, that connection with the audience. Yeah, 1000%. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, because that's like a whole, like, again, with comedy, it's not just, it's so many different things to so many different people. Like, are you a traditional joke writer? Are you a persona? Are you just trying to be yourself? You know, and it's all comes down to like, how do you connect with those people in that room at that moment mm -hmm. with what you have? Um, would you describe your, like, 
persona in like three words? My persona is maybe not three words, but still a few words is I've always I've always viewed myself as like the funniest guy on the job site. You know what I mean? Like that whole vibe, like or no, not or the, the smartest guy on the job site. <laughs> like that's my whole my whole vibe where, you know, I look like, you know, I look not I don't know. I sound like a cunt up, <laughs> but I, you know, I have the, the fucking beard and I look and I talk like a, I talk like a fucking idiot. But at the same time, like you get to know me and you're like, oh, he's got a fucking good head on his shoulders. And comedy's very like, I wouldn't say it's like clever or subtle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like anytime I've written like an overly clever joke, that's like, you know, kind of, oh, that was fun wordplay. Like it just sounds weird coming out of my mouth. My, my style of comedy is just more that loud, abrasive. Like I always, I get the, the compliment I get uh, that I, that I'm the most appreciative of because it's what I'm going for is people tell me like, oh, you sound like you're just talking up there. And that's kind of like what I'm going, that's what I'm going for. So whenever I hear that, I'm like, okay, I'm doing my job right. Cause that's, cause like I said before, I'm more worried about just, I want to, I want to come off as like the funniest guy. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to come off as like, oh, he, he, he was so fucking esoteric. And that sketch he wrote really made me think about the current culture war. It's like, no, I want people to be like, oh, I fucking spilled my drink and my, my uh i couldn't i hurt my knee because i was slapping it so hard when he was like telling that joke about how his dick's weird you know what i mean like that's that, I'm, i get way more of a kick out of that you notice things i was listening i watched your hell in a cell and you were talking about um <laughs> you, oh you watched my watch along <laughs> yeah I, well yeah because i wanted to talk to you about wrestling but before i do talk to you about wrestling i was uh you were talking about wendy's rappers versus mcdonald's rappers and i was like you know, <laughs> And it was such a good point. I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, Wendy's wrappers oh, are yeah, so much better." Because I eat a, I eat a lot of fast food, and I've, I've, I've dined, uh, I've dined at all the establishments, and I've come <laughs> to the conclusion that Wendy's have the best wrappers because they're like when you get the regular burgers, they're the only one that puts it in tin foil. There's a lot of people, and I think they're all psychopaths that like wait till they get home or whatever to eat the fast food, and I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, I'm munching on a fry as I'm turning out of the fast food lane. Like, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Wait. And so like, yeah, McDonald's, if you get like, all the value menus on all the, on all the, at all the places have the same general wrapper, but it's like when you get the actual sandwiches, like McDonald's gives you a box and you're just like, do you want me to die, dude? Like, what do we do? <laughs> And then Burger King, the problem with Burger King is like, especially if you get a Whopper, the the problem with the Whopper, it's very tasty. I don't want to disparage Burger King in that sense. It's too wide. So when you pick it up with one hand, it flaps open. They don't have leafy lettuce. They have little shreds of lettuce. The lettuce falls on you. And now you're looking down and you look up and you get T-boned by an 18 boiler. <laughs> Wendy's has the tinfoil that you can wrap perfectly and keep it in place and like wendy's wendy's cares about you these other places they don't they want you to endanger your life right out reach wendy's and offer to do a marketing campaign because that's like from the heart like wendy's <laughs> loves you you know I, no, I have i uh, yeah i want i i've been thinking about doing because there's a lot of people online that literally just do they do youtube by the way any of your listeners this isn't exactly what I'm talking about, but I just thought about this. Go Google mukbang and just have have a great night. Mukbang. That's literally mukbang. It's like 
it's like one of those things that's clearly sexual, but oh, there's no. not. Well, no, he, but no, it's like it's not porn. But so <laughs> what they do, what they do is they get they get a really large amount of food. They angle the camera in such a way so it kind of looks like they're like, oh, my God, it's such a big pile of food. And I'm like, I can you can barely see me because I'm behind it. And then they just eat. It's just them eating the food. Like sometimes, sometimes it's just them slowly eating. It's literally like a podcast that someone's eating half the menu of Wendy's through and you watch it and you're like, this is, this is to, I can't exactly put my finger on how, but like, or why, but this is for coming. I know for a fact it's for coming. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I was going to say I wanted to figure out, no, because you were saying I have so, I, I truly do have way too many opin like detailed opinions on fast food. And a lot of people have these shows that they do where it's literally just them like, all right, watch me try the new spicy chicken sandwich. And I'm like, no, I won't. I don't want to do that. I don't want to just force people to watch me eat. I need I'm just I'm just like, working you said show that ideas. popular now on the Internet. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm telling you guys, look up mukbang. It's so fucking weird. And then there's a whole different sect of like cosplay mukbang. They dress up like anime characters and eat a bunch of KFC. It's fucking weird. <laughs> There's so many weird stuff. I wanted to talk to you about though, because wasn't hell? What was it? Hell in, hell in a cell. cell. It's WWE. Yeah. So I found. I don't know if I'm generalizing here, but I feel like a lot of comedians are into wrestling. I'd say about. I'd say about like 25 percent of the comics you meet are either like. Like I'd, I'd say about 10% of comics are hardcore wrestling fans. 25% like watch, at least watch it. You know what I mean? There's a decent amount. And cause I've had many times, um, many times just talking to people and you bring up, and then you both have that moment where it's like, cause like, especially too, I'm 30. I know a lot of comics that are like between like 25 and 30 and stuff. And at that point it turns into like, your friends start rolling your eyes at you that you like watch wrestling. So when you find, so you don't get to like, and also like my, my wife likes wrestling too. Thank God. But like she, cause she's, she's the one who actually like got me. I, I sort of watched it sporadically as a kid, but then dating my wife, we like, you know, once we started dating, we, it got way more serious. We stopped going like out to bars and stuff as much. And we stayed home and we got tired of watching movies. So we ended up watching a bunch of wrestling. And I remember I was like, oh, yeah, this shit's amazing. <laughs> so I got like way overboard into it because of my wife. But even my I watch it aggressively because like for a shout out for myself on my YouTube channel, Andy Malfrina, every Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I, uh, I talk about wrestling a bunch. So I watch way too much fucking wrestling. And even my wife gets to a point where she's like, okay, sweetie, what happened? <laughs> what happened to so-and-so this week? And I'm like, okay. So like when you find another comic that's into wrestling, you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Like there's a bunch, but there's still also a bunch that give you shit because you like wrestling. <laughs> oh, it was interesting. I watched... Um wrestling once with mark henley and I, I i enjoyed it and i really liked who was the wrestler the velveteen dream yeah yeah velveteen yeah. dream's dope yeah, he's a really like, he's fantastic like he very creative if you look at it as just like stage fighting it is fucking weird like if you really like break wrestling down to what it literally is it is it, it does come off weird but i look at it as like 
it's it's if they did an action action movie as a play like that's all it is you know what i mean it's just like if they did like a michael bay movie as a play like that you know and maybe michael bay is not the greatest way to sell people on it but i don't know i have fun every time i watch his fucking explosions i don't give a shit he's not my like top guy or nothing but i've never been mad after seeing a michael bay movie you can guys you protect his fucking the stunts the body that you have to have and these because these are not like young ass people right to be doing that shit and the shape like, you have to be in to be yeah like- it's it's a little bit of every age and especially when you work for WWE cuz like their their standards for especially for physique are way higher way higher. you notice it where so like the two top companies are WWE and AEW and AEW does a pretty good job majority of the time but you can like you can see it in the little details and WWE has a way bigger advantage because they they have the whole infrastructure of they have this they, in in Orlando they have the performance center where they train a bunch of people and all this stuff so they just have the like way bigger infrastructure than AEW like people people know it hurts people know it hurts but they don't truly understand because there's a difference between like knowing something hurts and sort of like because I I like one time like when they get hit or they do a move where they fall it's called a bump. I did like one bump and it's literally the bump you do. Like it's the first thing you learn. Cause like when they fall, they have to do something called a flat back. So when my, my buddy, uh, his name is Keikoa, the Hawaiian warrior, very talented dude used to like podcast and stuff together. Used to work for his company. He's fucking awesome. He was explaining it to me when you fall. Cause like what you, what you do is it's not that you don't, you disperse the pain. So rather than think about it, rather than like getting hit in the small of your back versus you getting hit on every part of your back, your arms, your legs. So you like disperse your pain. So it's not that it's going to hurt less per se, because all of it hurts. It's going to it's going to just do less long term damage to your body. Because if you muscular, you have to be super muscular. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And I did, he showed me how to do a flat back and I did like one flat back and it really hurt and it felt really fucking weird. Oh <laughs> I was just God. like, and I was just like, it made me respect the hell out of wrestlers. Cause I was like, damn the crap that they go through just to make me go like, hell yeah. Yes. Like doing that one flat back really made me shift on maybe some of the overly critical things I would say where I'd be like, Oh, this one move that you did didn't look that great. And you're just like, Oh yeah, it didn't look that great because it's next to impossible sometimes to do some of that shit. <laughs> I just think that too, with being so physical, cause like, so it's mm-hmm. like watching, I thought that was a really interesting like juxtaposition with wrestling, like the physical element of how important it is to get people drawn into the storyline. And I love, I personally love watching comedians that do physical comedy uh-huh so well and it, parallels yeah no there, i was just gonna say that there's there's honestly and i didn't realize this till i started to go see more wrestling like indie shows live because uh, like indie shows are way more you get an idea of it when it comes to something like wwe where everyone shows up and everyone knows every single wrestler and all this stuff you go to an indie show where a lot of times in indie show, it's like families, they bring their kids, they don't really know what's going on. And that's similar. They don't know the wrestlers, which is similar to most comedy I do, where it's like no one knows who I am. So you have a crowd. They don't you have to prove to them why they should give a shit about you, which is very similar to comedy. There's uh, and, and you know, it's a lot of it's not just being able to be physical. 
Because like some of the best wrestlers, if you really break down their moves in any match, they're not doing like there, there's definitely some wrestlers that are like way physical. Like their big thing is that they can do crazy flips and all this stuff. But there's other dudes where if you really break down their match, they're not doing much. They're doing a lot of, uh, <laughs> you know, to bring it back to cra- comedy, like crowd work, so to speak, yeah. of like engaging the crowd. You have to I know wrestlers have to, same with comedy. You have to gauge the tone of the room. So maybe if the crowd's a little bit dead, maybe you come out big. Like if you gauge that the audience is kind of like, oh, the kind of like the last comic stunk. So you got to bring them back. So you hit them hard at first. If they're a really hot crowd, you kind of go in. Maybe you don't have to go in as hot. You can if you want. You don't have to. And that's where um, it's all about reading the crowd. That's where wrestling, like from a performance standpoint, from a physically, from a physicality standpoint, they couldn't be more opposite (laughs) from a performance (laughs) standpoint, Uh from a performance standpoint and an entertainment standpoint. They they both follow a lot of similar instances. They both follow a lot of similar rules. I have no clue why I just said instances so because of that and the general because like most comics that also like wrestling are dudes so the general fucking like oh they're hitting each other <laughs> like th- those two things are i think why a lot of like male comedians really gravitate towards professional wrestling in comedy do you think there should be a no holds bar nature like are there things that you won't joke about i there's things i won't joke about but i don't think i don't think there's anything that now, it, you know, it comes down to I should finish that sentence. I, I think generally speaking, everything should be on the table. And it, it kind of goes back to here. Here's what happens when people like when you go for some of the more wild stuff and like when you go into comedy, not knowing what's going on, not knowing that they're just up there trying to make you laugh. Like I've been there a bunch of times where. I've I've heard someone go for an offensive joke. It doesn't land. And there's just something about it that when you don't when the offensive joke doesn't hit, like if you just say something offensive and like nothing about it ends up being funny, it just like your emotions take over for half a second and it just feels real. It just feels real. But like you also have to have the common sense of like, oh, I'm not at a, I'm not at like a clan rally. I'm in a comedy club. I just bought two drinks. This guy's probably not a piece of shit. Well, most comics are pieces of shit in other ways, but like this guy's probably just trying to be funny. So it's like, you gotta, you gotta override that emotional response where you're like, what the fuck did he just say? You're like, oh yeah, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not at a fight club. I'm at, I'm at a standup. So yeah, I think. I, and I think everyone's allowed everyone's allowed to not like what they don't want to like. Like, I think everyone's got free will. They're allowed to do whatever they want to do. No one's I don't think anyone like if your favorite comic is Jim Gaffigan, who's a fucking beast. That's fine. If your favorite comic is Doug Stanhope, who's a fucking beast, like that's also fine. I don't think anyone should be forced to. You can only like offensive comedy because that's the real com- comedy, blah, blah, blah. It's like, but. I think it's just understand what you're fucking going into. So if you do have a guy who's fucking going for it, you realize what's happening. I feel like every joke, it's like just thinking about like if you were a painter, every joke is a color and, you know, creates a tone and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, potentially like you have to be willing to use all colors, you know, of yeah. your palette. And sometimes, especially too, when you're trying to work through jokes. So like for you, that was uh, one thing as, 
I wanted to know what's a joke that you have that you do sometimes that you know you could lose the audience, like because it's on that edge. What's one of those jokes for you? I actually, I actually stop. Oh, I got two of them actually. There was one I haven't, I haven't done it in a while because I think it was like because there's some jokes I've heard comics say this and I, I, I feel it too where like there's some jokes that are a little bit too just for you because like there's things that make me like laugh my ass off that I've tried to explain like like I've tried to explain to other people <laughs> like I'm thinking of one thing right now like I've like anytime anytime I've been watching uh, adult an adult adult film <laughs> and they they switch to where like the chick the chick starts eating the dude's butt like that's the like that's the funniest thing in the world because there's no way there's no way to like make that sexy like you have to put his legs up and make it look like you're changing his diaper or the dude has to like lay over the fucking fucking uh uh arm of a couch it's like it's always hilarious to me but i've explained that to many people and they're like dude what's wrong with you <laughs> you know so like there's jokes so the one like me was i had this joke where i said uh my buddy invited me to go to his see his band perform and i was gonna go see it and then i looked up at the flyer and the flyer was for the the it was for this big concert and it was called Noisegasm and I had to call him up and be like I'm not going and he's like why and he's like I was like because your show's fucking pretentious and he's like what are you talking about and I said I'm not going to like it's called Noisegasm you think this is going to be on gasm level you think it's going to be that that fun and this is the line that people would either love or get weird i i said you think i'm going to be standing in the audience just like yep this is what come leaving my body's like because to me <laughs> to me the phrase to call like like ejaculating come leaving my body is like the funniest sentence to me but some people would just you hear certain words and some people just are like ah stop yeah. like i had this um the other joke that would do that which this was probably and it may uh, it, it may because we're doing a podcast that might not come off the same way. I don't want to overhype it. And then people hear it and go, well, that stunk. But like I, this is probably like the best joke I have where um, it's it's about uh, it's about me playing this Call of Duty, you know, Call of Duty. Uh-huh. Yeah, they had a they had a version called uh, Call of Duty World War Two. And basically the joke is pointing out that it's fucking weird that they made a war video game about like a real battle. Like I'm sitting here in my underwear, like fucking eating Cheetos and I'm playing a thing that like, I'm playing like, Oh, this level ruined these families lives. Like it's fucking weird. And like the, the line that'll get people in that one, because like when it comes to veterans, people are really like, you don't fuck with veterans, which, you know, I, you know, that was a hard fucking, that was a fucked up thing. They do. I res I respect their, uh, you know, I don't always agree with the wars, but I respect what fucking soldiers have to the bullshit they have to deal with and stuff. So it's like, I'm not trying to come at vets like that. Calm down. <laughs> um, but no, the, like the one line that people would, would would sometimes get weird about was, oh, yeah, I was playing. the I'm like playing Call of Duty World War Two. Never played a game based off a real thing. And it's like so fun. It's I'm telling you, it is such a fun game. And it threw me for a loop because I didn't realize World War Two was that fun. And then people, all they hear is me saying World War II was fun. And then like, I, I had one time where like one lady, this happens sometimes where like one person will just get a stick up their ass about something and their energy like permeates to the room. 
And yeah, I've had people. And the irony is it the irony of it is the people that get mad are people. And this happened is it goes back to that lady you were saying before who interrupted comedy fight club. This hat. This is the people that get offended every time where they get offended on behalf of in this case, veterans. And, and I'm not saying this just to like stroke my ego. I'm just uh, like, or, or, or whatever, just to jerk myself off. This is just what happened. Like two or three times I've done that joke. I've had literal veterans come up to me going, that joke was fucking hilarious. So it's like, I have these people. Um, I have actual veterans saying the joke was fantastic. Yeah. And I have people on behalf of veterans being like, that was horrible. And it's like, well, it actually, it wasn't. Because the fucking the dudes who have actually gone through shit thought it was hilarious. So maybe you need to calm the fuck down (laughs) and realize, like, if this is if this is something I think people need to get perspective, because it's like if you really think about it. And I hate using like the privilege because it's like fucking being a white dude. I feel like I get that energy thrown at me and shit. So I'm not trying to be that guy. But like, I feel like if if you go out at night and some fucking chubby dude said some word like some chubby dude that talks like an idiot said some words and that ruined your night you got to kind of look at the bigger picture and realize like if that's what's that's your biggest problem that evening like shit's good for you so maybe calm the fuck down and like just like let it go just chill the fuck out appreciate that shit's going pretty good if that's your big fight that night yeah. Like the fucking the comic, the comic that did fucking 20 minutes and got paid $50. Like, I need to stop him. <laughs> I wanted to say we have loved having you here today. I just had one last question before we start to wrap up. I wanted to know, have you ever wanted to quit? Kind of like not quit, quit, just not because I've never it's actually similar to when I realized not to get like sappy, but it's actually similar when I wanted to, uh, when I decided I wanted to like marry my wife. Cause I would, I would look at, I would like think about the future and every, anytime I'd think about the future, like mentally it'd be like, my wife would be chilling off in the corner at least, you know what I mean? Like, or my girlfriend at the time would be fucking there. And I was like, Oh, okay. So like, I can't once again, not to get sappy, but it's like, I can't imagine, any shit I'm doing, I picture myself doing with her. So it's like, well, yeah, fucking, of course I want to marry her. And like, anytime I think about anything, comedy's all like doing stand up comedy is always there. Now, have I gotten sick of the fucking the grind and just been like, I don't want to fucking do this ever? Did like, I, I know when um I was, I was like, right when COVID started, I was like pretty depressed. I was not. Uh, I was just like not happy with stand up. And it, it, honestly, it was for other things because like stand up had been going the best it had ever been going. I think I just was in a poor state mentally and stuff. But like there was a little part of me that was happy. That was like happy that I didn't have to go do comedy. Now, did I ever think about like there was definitely a part of me that was happy that I didn't have to go do comedy at that moment. Now, yeah, eventually I think I just I think that was more just general depression. And ever since then, I've been like looking at myself a little bit deeper, understanding like why 
Cause like what I was saying before, I, I also, I've been realizing in the, if I could, if we, if we could make this a therapy session for half a minute, no, but like in the, over the past year, I've been realizing I'm also, I was also being one of those people who you don't, you like, you kind of have those blinders on and like, you're just focusing on like, I want this. I don't have this. So because I don't have this, I'm depressed. And it's like, you don't look at the bigger picture. You don't, you know, you don't get the full scope of like what's going on. And it's like, and sort of like analyzing why I was getting depressed and this and that and realizing things were way better than they actually were. And I was being a little bit too uh, selfish and not looking at the bigger picture and not uh, like taking shit for granted and this and that. And so I think like, I was losing sight, I think, and to kind of come and this 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 comes back to the original question is like getting depressed. And I think for me, whenever I get like start feeling over comedy and not wanting to do it and shit like that is when I start losing sight of like why I got into it. And it goes back to like the style of comedy I like doing with that, that vibe of just like going in there, talking shit, trying to make people laugh as hard as they can when I get, and obviously you need to be like career minded and grow your fucking grow your shit and get more popular. Cause it's like, if not enough people know about you, whether it's industry or fans or whatever, you don't got shit. So it's like, you still need to grow that. But any, I think whenever I start feeling that way, it's when I'm start, I start, I drift, I drift too far from sort of that general reason I got into doing comedy, but to answer a simple question, very long, I, <laughs> I've danced around the idea, but I don't think I have, I don't think I have it in me to fully be like, never, I think worst case scenario, I would still probably like maybe not open mics, but I'd hit up my friends who had shows, <laughs> but that's yeah. literally like, that's literally like my wife leaves me and my life is despair and I can't get out of this cloud of depression. But yeah, no, in, in no scenario have I ever been like, no, I won't do this ever again. Yeah. Oh my God. Andy, well, we've loved having you. Can you please tell everybody like just where we can find you on social media again? Well, first off, I love being on this. This was fucking fantastic. I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate you asking me all those great questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. You've offered so much awesome insight. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, Andy Malafarina, M-A-L-A-F-A-R-I-N-A. That is Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitch. My schedule is a little wacky, but generally, so, uh, generally it's uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, twitch.tv slash Andy got jokes. Uh, if you like wrestling and you like music, uh, head over to my YouTube channel on Sunday nights. Oh, and the, uh, PITM podcast, me and Nate Marshall comes out most Wednesdays. <laughs> it comes out every week, but usually on Wednesday. Yes. Oh, well, thank you, Andy, so much. Uh, and we can't wait to see you on stage again soon. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>